Amen. All right. Good morning. Amen. So, words. Words. Words are, are powerful, powerful things, aren't they? Amen. I'm always amazed at what words end up making an impact. Um, you know, as a, as a parent in my present life and as a teacher in my former life, I was always astonished when, when my children or my students would, would reference something I had said when I was sure there was no way that they were listening to anything that I was saying. For those of you that have interacted much with kids, I'm sure you, you resonate with that and have had similar experiences. Um, and as I look back on my own life, the same is true when the roles are reversed and when I think about my life as a kid. And I look at snapshots um, back from when I was a kid. For, for some reason, I vividly remember being at summer camp and uh, as an elementary school student. And, and one of the camp leaders came up to me and, and my two best friends that, and he said that we would be leaders and that we would make a difference and an impact in other people's lives. And I, I, don't, I don't know why those particular words at that particular time stuck with me so deeply, but, but it's something that I've held on to throughout my life as, as a source of, of strength and encouragement. And my hope is that many of you have had someone speak something meaningful into your life along the way as well. But that said, I, I'm the first to acknowledge that I haven't always lived up to that standard and to that calling, specifically in, in the area of my words. Um, another vivid memory I have is from high school biology class. Um, it was a season of my life that, that I was striving for, for acceptance, and, uh, and, and I really wanted to belong with, with the popular group. Um, uh, and, and I sat at the same workstation as, as one of the best players on our basketball team and someone that I had been developing a friendship with. Um, I was also on the basketball team, but, but I spent more time practicing how to smoothly rip away my warm-up pants at, <laughs> at, 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 at the end of the warm-up period than I did actually playing in the game. But, but anyway, um, uh, in biology class, my friend and I, we, we would sit in the back of the room and we would make fun of anybody who asked a question or, or made a comment that we deemed to not be intelligent enough to meet our standards. And as you'd expect, as the year went on and as days went on, fewer and fewer students would ask questions out of fear. And finally, the teacher had had it with us. Um, you know, and one day, once again, we made comments. We started mocking somebody when they asked a question. And the teacher kicked us out of class. And after class, you know, he, he brought us back in. And he looked us in the eye and he said, your words are keeping other people from learning and from succeeding. It's not fair to the other students for me to allow you to continue to tear them down with your words. So you are no longer welcome in my class if you continue this behavior. Wow. 
What? Right? <laughs> um, what a wake-up call that was. As, as that camp leader's words came flooding back into my mind as well. You know, from the, from the strength and the encouragement that his words had provided me to believe in my God-given potential to lead and impact others, I had allowed myself to distort that strength into a place where I was using words not to build each other up and strengthen others, but instead to tear them down and make them feel less than me. And then to bring it full circle, um, at, the, at the end of every year, um, uh, we would have a yearbook signing party where we would all sign each other's yearbooks. Um, and, uh, and as I read my fellow students' notes that year, I was convicted. Um, you know, there were a few different variations on it, but, but the theme was something like this. Um, Chris, you've, you've always been so nice to everyone, but, but this year you changed a lot. You know, I think in each of these snapshots, the power of words takes center stage. First, words that, that built me up and made me believe in my God-given potential to impact others. Next, words that tore other people down and kept them from feeling confident to achieve their potential. And finally, words that provided a powerful mirror for me to show me how I had failed to use words in healthy and, and in life-giving ways. The power of words. And that's, that's what James addresses in, in chapter 3. So, so let's dive in now. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He goes on to say this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, Come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
That's James 3, 1 through 12. So the saying that comes to mind right away for me when I read this is what I'm guessing that we've all heard on the playground or elsewhere. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, based on that passage, I'm confident James would have used whatever word in Greek means complete nonsense or something even more graphic than that, um, because it's the exact opposite, right? Let's look again at verses 6 through 8, what James says. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? Um, Maybe we should all just pack up and take off and, and resign ourselves to the fact that we're all corrupted by our poisonous tongues and we're destined for a life of fire and evil. After all, it, it's clear, isn't it, that, that no one can tame the tongue, and the tongue is a restless evil that can never be contained. You know, and I've seen examples of this in my own life, when, when in the heat of an argument, it, it feels like I just can't help, I can't keep hurtful words from coming out of my mouth, or, or it feels impossible to to refrain from sharing a piece of gossip or, or something judgmental about someone else. And my hunch is that if we're honest, many of you have felt that same sense of helplessness at some time. But thankfully, that's why we don't pull passages of Scripture without seeing what they're saying in the larger context. So let's go back and look at the idea that came right before this in verses 2 through 4. So let's read those again. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And he gives examples. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. So how how do we reconcile this? In verse 8, James tells us that that no one can tame the tongue, but right before, in verse 2, he tells us that anyone isn't at fault, anyone who isn't at fault in what they say is able to keep their whole body in check. So you you might say that verse 2 is this impossible hypothetical, but but I disagree with that interpretation because of the examples that follow in verses 3 and 4, where James gives really powerful examples of powerful forces that are being kept in check. So despite their massive size, right, a a ship and, and a horse can be controlled and be kept in check by a bit or a rudder. And I think that these are really powerful examples on multiple, and fitting examples on multiple levels. So first they show that something very small, a bit or a rudder, has the power to control and keep in check 
something very large. And this is, this is a great visual to reinforce James's point that despite its very small size, our tongues can drive our actions and even our lives. But secondly, the, these verses really illustrate the key to taming the tongue. Because one thing in common between the bit and the rudder is that something external is coming into the picture in order to achieve the desired outcome. So someone comes from outside the horse, right, to put the bit into the horse's mouth to guide the horse. And we see that the pilot comes into the ship to use the rudder to steer the ship to its desired location. So then when we think about how that applies to taming the tongue, that external force, of course, is the power of God in our lives when we yield control of our lives to him and ask him to lead us and to direct our paths. So James's comments, see, they, they do, they hold together. If you put up the next slide, no one can tame the tongue on their own. The only way to do so is by fully trusting in God. We, we sang it this morning, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. You know, look again at verse 4, which says, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever what? Wherever the pilot wants to go. So our words, our words can be what God wants them to be, but only if we allow God to be our pilot and allow God to lead us and to direct us. So, so how, do we, how do we do this, right? How do we make this happen in real life? If you're like me, you might find yourself trying to do this on your own, where you get out of bed and you give yourself a pep talk and you tell yourself that you're going to just try harder to, to stop saying passive-aggressive things or, or things that are subtly designed to exclude other people or, or make other people look worse and make ourselves look better. But as we know, that's, that's a lot like if I said to you, think about anything you want, but don't think about a pink elephant. And let's say I don't just say that, but I also put a pink elephant in a screen, on a screen in front of you. I don't need psychic abilities to know that many of you are thinking about a pink elephant. Um, Beth and I experienced something similar when our kids were preschool age. Um, and we made the grave mistake of telling them a gift that the other one was receiving for Christmas, but we told them you can't tell your brother or sister what, what they're getting. You could practically see them visibly bursting with, with this information. It, it was all that they could think about. They knew that they weren't supposed to tell, but in a very small matter of time, the secret came shooting out <laughs> as they knew they couldn't contain it through their own power. And that's what happens when we try to tame our own tongues because we haven't changed the source from which the tongue speaks. And that's why James goes on to say what he does at the end of the passage. 
when he asks some questions. He says this, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The source is everything. A fig tree bears, a grapevine bears, a saltwater spring produces, and a freshwater spring produces. They're simple and straightforward truths, but they're absolutely essential to understand the core of James's teaching. You know, this is the same line of thinking we looked at last week when Beth discussed faith and works, that, that our actions or our works, they're not what save us or what make us right before God, but they will come naturally from the right source, right? Which is a faith that's rooted in the person and the way of Jesus Christ. And like we've seen before, the teaching of James closely mirrors the teaching of Jesus. It's almost as if they were brothers or something. Um, Look at the similarities of Jesus' teaching in Luke 6, again reinforcing the truth that the source is what matters. As he talks about good and bad fruit and good and bad trees, he says this, This is Jesus speaking. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In particular, look at that last sentence, which brings us back front and center to this idea of taming the tongue and the power of words. That slide, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Again, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We cannot control our speech by willpower or determination, by our own might, by our own power. The only way that life-giving words can consistently come from us is if they're a product of a heart that follows God. You know, a commentary I read um, talked about the, the biblical idea and understanding of heart and how it's not just feelings like we're often inclined to think of it. I mean, the biblical understanding of heart was, was the intersection of the mind and the will. So where the mind and the will come together. So when we ask God to lead us in, in our thoughts and our desires and our motivations, it's then that our lives can produce the good fruit, and specifically the types of the words and the actions that God desires of us. So as we think about our words, how can we tell if they're good fruit or bad fruit? You know, at first glance, you might think it's easy that, you know, um, it's a matter of nice words versus mean words or words that aren't on your personal curse word list. Um, But personally, I, I don't think that it's that cut and dry. You know, after all, Jesus is our standard, and we certainly don't see Jesus going around every day just always offering sugary, flowery, flowery compliments to everybody and everything. 
For example, we often see Jesus criticizing um, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law for puffing themselves up while taking advantage of vulnerable people and failing to demonstrate justice and mercy. But James, so, so James gives us a really helpful framework, I think. Let's look back at verses 9 and 10 now. He says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. So the key to the problem is in verse 9. Look at the words. We curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So what's so problematic is we say that we, say that we love God, but we're, we fail to acknowledge and affirm the image of God, in, of that same God, in, in those around us. And this is a very similar description to what we see in Scripture about the Pharisees, who love to be seen worshiping God, while at the same time, they're condemning others and making others feel less than. So that, church, that appears to be the litmus test that James provides to determine the fruitfulness of our words. If we put up the next slide. Do our words affirm the image of God in one another? Do we appreciate the, the beauty and the creativity that God has given others who have different perspectives than us and come from different backgrounds than us? Do we fight fair when, when we have an argument or a disagreement with a loved one, allowing God to, to help us resist the urge to disrespect the other person and, and attack them with our words in the places we know they are most sensitive and most vulnerable? Do we tell other people about their God-given potential and, and the restoration and the redemption that God provides? And do we stand up against those who, who seek to keep other people down and, and make others feel less valuable and less worthy than themselves? And many of you knew who my, many of you knew my mom, who was an extremely intelligent woman who, who in particular had a, a real gift for writing and, and a really sharp wit. Um, but as a child, she was told by a teacher that, that she was stupid and that, and that she wouldn't succeed at school. And I think that seems especially relevant given James's words at the beginning of this passage where he says that, that those who teach will be judged more strictly. You know, unfortunately, that, that was a powerful instance of words that, that didn't affirm the image of God in my mom. And, and those words impacted her throughout her life. You know, over time, she definitely did begin to understand more and more of her identity in Jesus and, and the gifts that God had given her. But there's no doubt that those words made deep wounds for her. I think the best guide for our words probably comes from the word of God himself. That's, that's always a good place to go. Um, and when it comes down to it, 
we see throughout all of history and all of Scripture that our God is a God who speaks life into his people. We see this from the very beginning, right? The very beginning of creation where God speaks the universe into existence. Let's go back um, to Genesis 1, the first verses of the Bible, where we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And as you keep reading, each day follows that exact same pattern. To kick off each day, God begins with that same phrase, and God said, spoke through words. Why is that significant? You know, after all, God didn't, God didn't need to say anything, right? He could have just willed creation into existence. But I think there's something so beautiful and powerful about how creation unfolds by God speaking words, speaking the world and us as his people into existence. So, so from the very beginning of time, God spoke life through words into the universe and into people. And this just keeps continuing throughout history, including God sending his own son, Jesus, to earth to live among us and ultimately to, to suffer for us and to die for us. Look at how John uses parallel language in chapter 1 of his gospel, talking about Jesus, both at the time of creation and at the time of incarnation, which means when Jesus came to earth. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He goes on to say, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here we see John speaking of Jesus, both at the time of creation and at the time of his humanity on earth. And how is Jesus referenced? As the Word. I remember thinking how strange it was that, that Jesus was called the Word. But I think in the larger context of Scripture and history, I think it makes a lot of sense because words are powerful beyond measure. And Jesus is the ultimate word, the, the source of life to the fullest. So next slide. God uses words and Jesus, the word, to speak life into existence and to breathe his life and to breathe his power into us, his people. So that, that church, that is the business that God is in. And for us, as those who are created in the image of God and are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus as we follow him, that's the business that we should find ourselves in as well, speaking life. Just as God spoke life into existence through his words and then gave us Jesus, the word 
our source of abundant life, we can speak life into other people as we rely on the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Again, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. So, so what does it look like to speak life into others? You know, I, I don't think that there's a magic formula for it. It's going to look a little different for all of us. But there's no doubt that it's our mission as kingdom people. You know, it's, it's telling people how God loves them more than they could ever, ever imagine. It's, it's noticing people's hurts and offering them genuine words of, of support, sympathy, and solidarity. And, and it's recognizing people's unique qualities and, and sharing with them how God is using those gifts and those qualities to light up the world around them. I love how Maya Angelou, who, who was a poet, but also a committed follower of Jesus, so vividly talked about the power of our words. She said this on the next slide. She says this, words are things. Someday we'll be able to measure the power of words. I think they are things. They get on the walls. They get in your wallpaper. They get in your rugs in your upholstery, and your clothes, and finally, into you. So as we close today, I want us to think about the power of words in our own lives. Many of us have been deeply wounded by words. And many of us have also been deeply strengthened and encouraged by words. Many of us have inflicted wounds on others through our words. And God has also allowed many of us to speak life into others through our words. So I want to leave us with with three questions that God may be using to speak into your hearts this morning. Our words are more powerful than we could ever imagine. They can be incredibly life-giving and they can be extremely destructive. We're going to have prayer and ministry available this morning, so I'd like to invite both the band um, and the ministry team up at this time. And, the, and I want to put these three questions in front of you for, for reflection and prayer, if you put the next slide up. Firstly, are there words that someone has spoken to you or about you that continue to wound you? Again, are there words that someone has spoken to you or about you that continue to wound you? Second, is God leading you to seek forgiveness for any any wounds that your words have created for someone else? And finally, who is God asking you to speak life into? I know that this can be really sensitive stuff to, to think about to internalize, to pray on. And it's, it's stuff that doesn't always get neatly taken care of in, and wrapped up in, in one sermon or one time of ministry. And that, that is okay. You know, if you prefer to pray on your own, 
about these points and these items right now, that, that's okay. If you want to process any of them later on with someone, we're, we're here for that too, um, both through the, the ministry team and, and our leaders and our life groups. You know, the, the key is opening ourselves up together, up to God, you know, acknowledging hurt that we've experienced ourselves through words, um, recognizing how we've inflicted pain upon others through our words, allowing God to bring us healing from the wounds that we may have suffered through words, and, and asking God for the courage to seek forgiveness from those that we have wounded through our words. Asking God to steer us, be our pilot, and direct our steps, direct our paths, so that we can more faithfully bear his image by speaking words into others that bring joy, that bring peace, that bring hope, that bring life. So we're going to have the band play softly for a few moments. Um, and I just invite you to reflect and, and pray on these questions. Um, and come up for prayer if you'd like. Um, uh, our prayer team would be honored to pray with you. So we're just going to have a little time of pr prayer here. And then, and then I'll pray over us and we'll continue. So feel free to come if you'd like. Lord, in the, in the gift and the trust you've placed in us by allowing us to speak your words. God, I pray that you'd forgive us for the times when 
when we've mistreated that gift, God, when, Lord, when our tongues haven't been tamed, when we've tried to do it on our own, God, and we've inflicted wounds upon others. Lord, in your, in your mercy and your grace, forgive us. Lord, and give us the boldness and the courage to, to seek forgiveness, both from you and from those that, that we have wounded, God. God, for those of us that, that are suffering from wounds that words have, have made upon us, God, Lord, we pray for your healing. Lord, we pray for your restoration. Lord, we pray for the truth of, of your word, Jesus Christ, to come over that, God, and we pray that you would direct us to... to to your path for healing, God, whether that's, that's friends, that's counseling, that's prayer, it's probably all of those, God. Lord, direct us. And God, Lord, I just, I love the image of you speaking life into existence, you speaking life into us through your words, God. Lord, I pray that you would give us a visual right now of who you want us to speak life into right now. Lord, who is somebody in our orbit, God, that, that you're asking us, you're pleading with us to speak life into, to bring your hope, your peace, your joy, your life, Lord, into someone in our midst, God. And finally, God, Lord, help us to, to trust in you fully, God. We know we cannot tame our tongues on our own. Lord, they, they're poisonous on our own. They're, they're a restless evil, but God, you can redeem them. Lord, you can guide us if we ask you to be our pilot, God. So we do that right now, God. We ask you to be our pilot. We ask you to lead us, direct our steps, God. Lord, take us where you want us to go. Help us to rely on you fully, God, so that the good fruit can come from the source, which is the good tree you living in us, God. We cannot do this on our own, but through you, through you, all things are possible, God. And we, we claim that, and we thank you, God.